Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Thank you for joining us today and welcome. This is an hour dedicated to understanding a little more about ourselves, our beliefs, and how we approach enlightenment. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more, not just about the world we live in, but about how, what, and why we think as we do. An hour for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind who we have become. This is a special hour as well, set aside to view the process of becoming enlightened, the journey of life through which life's meaning and teaching is often revealed. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Now, every week I read some of your letters as our way of paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our show was all about perception, belief, and attitude, especially as it relates to remaining fit, healthy, energetic, vital, and full of youth's joy throughout one's life. Mark wrote, I love how you take the most complicated ideas and facts and simplify them in a way that is both informative and motivating. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mark, for your feedback. Silla commented, I think it's harder to think young when you grow up with parents who did not think young and who did not put forth that joyful attitude. Well, no doubt that's true, Scylla, but not so hard as to be out of reach for all of us. Les wrote, I used the Intertalk Quantum Younging CD two years ago, and I'm still feeling the benefits. It's amazing, isn't it, Les? You absolutely can sense or remember yourself as young, vital, and vigorously active, and find that as you remember, suddenly you become much more like what you remember. Indeed, one of my favorite stories about this sort of thing, a friend shared with me. He's a radio show host, and he moonlights as a DJ. He was asked to play disc jockey at a 50-year high school reunion. So he loaded up his garage band software for music from the era. He arrived early and was all prepared when everyone began to arrive. But in his words, they limped in, some holding each other up, on canes, struggling to move across the room and sit down. He thought, oh, great. And I loaded all this dance music, including soundtracks, to support the jitterbug. But again, in his words, once the music was going, those folks changed their demeanors. As he put it, they limped in and they danced out when the night was over. Okay, Martha wrote, I love how your intertalk programs make me feel. I have gained so much from them, but sometimes I have lost. Wait, that is. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, thanks, Martha. He had me there for a minute. Jane wrote, love the way you express yourself on Hay House Radio. Well, thank you, Jane. Sean commented on choices and illusions. Your book is a beacon on the path to enlightenment. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. And Fazia left this comment when picking up a free Intertalk MP3. Amazing technology and profound kindness from Eldon Taylor. Thank you, Fazia. But I see it as just a part of our own Pay It Forward program. Now, for all of you out there, remember you too can download your free Intertalk program by simply going to my website, eldentaylor.com, and choosing free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. We can't get all of your letters on the air, but they do impact our programming. And once again, I thank you for your feedback. 
Now to today's show, Recipes for Life, with our special guest, Linda Evans. I'm sure there's no one in our audience unfamiliar with today's guest, but just in the off chance that there is, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Actress Linda Evans has personified beauty and grace to American television viewers for over five decades. From her role as Audra Barkley, a daughter of the Old West on Big Valley, to the glamorous Crystal Carrington on Dynasty, to Hell's Kitchen, the British competitive cooking reality show that she won in 2009. Linda became one of the most celebrated female television stars of the 1980s for her role as Crystal, wife of an oil multimillionaire played by John Forsyth, and good girl counterpart to Joan Collins' evil Alexis. Linda was nominated five times for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a TV Drama Series every year from 1982 to 1986. She won in 1982. She won five People's Choice Awards as Favorite Actress in a Drama Series in 1982, 83, 84, 85, and 86, and was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series in 1983. For her contribution to the television industry, Linda has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Linda Evans is also the author of the new book, Recipes for Life, My Memories. Many of you may remember her earlier book, the Linda Evans Beauty and Exercise book. In her new release, Recipes for Life, Linda opens up her heart, her past, and her kitchen. She shares a revealing personal side of herself together with anecdotes, a certain vulnerable charm, and some favorite meals served by friends. Recipes gleam from the likes of John Wayne and others. Linda Evans is obviously a multi-talented individual with much more to her than mere tinsel and glamour. Besides being a popular actress, she is a gifted cook, speaker, and writer. She believes we all have gifts for the sharing. According to her copy, quote, Linda has dined with queens and presidents, been romanced by the rich and famous, and today what she treasures most is the wisdom she has gained along the way, close quote. Well, let's get her in here and have her share that wisdom with us. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Linda Evans. Well, thank you very much. That was beautiful. <laughs> Hardly know what to say. Well, you know, what is there to say when you're as beautiful as you are? So well, let's, let's begin this way. I must tell you that, like most people you meet, uh, I have been a long-time admirer of you and your work. And you bring a certain presence, a level of honesty, even innocence to your acting. Now, that said, I understand that you never planned your life's work. You rather were inducted into it. Indeed, you were of the very shy one. So, you know, please share that story with our audience, how you were drafted into the acting career that has made you so famous? Well, I was very shy. And in junior high school, I wouldn't get up and give a book report. So the teacher came to my mom and said, I think your daughter has a problem, and she should overcome it by taking drama in, in school, and that'll help. So they made me take drama, or I would flunk my English class, and I just hated it. And every time I had to get up and do something, I would throw up, and I thought, this is the worst. <laughs> so I was in high school um, and 15, and one of my best friends was an actress, and she was going up for a commercial, and she asked me if I would come be with her. And so I 
went in. It was like a cattle call where they had like 100 girls. And at the end of the day, the director came out and said, I'll see you. And I said, well, you can't see me. I'm just here with my friend. And she went in. She said, he wants to see you. And I said, I, I, why, why? And she said, just go in and say hi. And he said, I want you to do this commercial. And I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he said, well, you can't sit on a merry-go-round and drink ginger ale and smile at a boy. I said, yeah, I could do it, but my girlfriend would kill me. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that to her. And he said, I promise you, if you do this commercial, I will give your girlfriend one another time. And um, I went out to see my girlfriend, and she said, do it, do it. Now, my dad, I was 15, and my dad had just died. It was nothing we expected, and my mom was on Social Security. And there was no way I could say no because it was money coming in and I could help at home. So I did it, and he kept his word. He gave my girlfriend a commercial and me a couple of more. And my girlfriend gave me her agent and said, you need an agent if you're going to do a commercial. And he said, do you think you can walk and talk and say lines, you know, other than doing a commercial where you don't speak? And I said, I don't know. I took acting in junior high school, but I don't know if I can. And he sent me up for my first speaking part, which was a role with with John Forsythe on Bachelor Father. And John Forsythe gave me my first speaking role, and that started my career. Wow. That's quite a story. What I'd like to do today, Linda is draw out some important elements in your life so we can knit them together and truly understand the authentic message in your delightful book. So okay. to that end, now, by juxtaposition to the shy young girl we just heard about, mm-hmm. we also have the playful young woman that appeared in Playboy magazine. Right. And, you know, if I may add, perhaps part of the overall allure that is so enchanting about you has to do with the contrast between the absolutely voluptuous, and the fragile, shy, and innocent. So please share with us the story behind your appearance in Playboy magazine. Well, my appearance in Playboy magazine was never supposed to be. Um, I married the man that I fell in love with when I was a teenager and saw him in the movie theater. His name was John Derrick. The movie was Haji Baba. And um, I had the good fortune, and well, good fortune. I believe in creating reality, so I mm-hmm. I actually created meeting him, and um, and ended up marrying him. Uh, he was an, uh, a movie star that um, decided to become a uh, cinematographer and director, and he took photos of me. His love, his hobby was photography, and he had done a lot of photos of his uh, other wife, uh, Ursula Andres, before I came into his life. Uh, But the pictures that he took of me, that he took every day of the nine years we were together, were for us, not to be published. However, um, uh, many years into our marriage, uh, his career wasn't going so well, and we needed money. He didn't want me to work. And um, we, he asked if we could sell the pictures to Playboy. And I said, okay, we'll eat. <laughs> and that's okay. why I did it. All right. Now, yeah, okay. Now, still assembling some silhouettes of Linda Evans before we get to the big question, which is, of course, what is the wisdom you have gained along the way? You admit in your book that you were absolutely devastated. Indeed, I believe you said that you wanted to die 
mm-hmm. when John Derrick left you for the then 15-year-old named Mary Kathleen Collins, who later became known to the world as Bo Derrick. Mm-hmm. So please share what that was like for you and how you finally recovered. I mean, you you have you have trusted this person. You have given him the the most intimate, uh, and he. I mean, in, in a sense, that's been shared with the world through Playboy magazine. You've exposed yourself totally, and then he leaves you for this younger woman. That tell us about that. Well, of course, I was devastated, um, and he was in Greece at the time making the movie with her. It was her first film, and I had helped her with the film for months and months and months. When I left Greece, they couldn't stand each other. When I came back two weeks later, were in love, which totally threw me, and I thought I would be with him forever. And in those days, I, you know, like most women of my era, we, I always wanted to be a wife and a mom. I didn't really want to be an actress, so giving up my career was nothing to me. But when this ended, I really didn't know what to do with my life because I didn't, I realized that I had no life without him. I would go to the market, and I wouldn't know what to buy because I thought of us. What do we like? What does he like? How do I do it? It was quite profound because I realized I had no identity without him. And I didn't want to be without him and hope that God would be kind and I would get something and just leave and I wouldn't have to go through it. And when he called one day and asked if I were dating, I... I, I remember sitting up in bed, it was like 4 in the morning, he would call from Europe and forgot what time it was. And I remember thinking, my God, am I dating? Uh, I want to die. What is he talking about? And then I realized he wasn't, he wasn't caring about me. He was guilty and wanted to know that if I'd gone on with my life, he didn't have to feel bad. And I thought, wow, why am I dying for someone who's thinking that way about me? And I remember sitting up in bed and going, you know what? I'm not going to die for him. I'm, I'm going to live for me. I picked up the phone that morning, called my agent, and said, I want to go back to work. And I realized that when I took my mind off of the problem and put it on the solution, which was me and my life and what I wanted, that everything in my life turned around, and I started getting jobs and a movie of the week and then a uh, motion picture, and it was, it was magical because... We really do get what we think, and when we get lost in the problems, we can't have the solution. We keep recreating the problem and the victimization of it. Remain fixed there. I love how you put that. Now, I'm going to ask you about your relationship with Bo Derrick in a minute, because I think one of the things that people miss about you is the quality of your character. But before I go to Bo Derrick, creating yet another vignette of your life, your relationship with Ursula Andress is, uh, well, many still believe that the two of you dislike each other. There are photographs of, of you with a black eye and her with an arm in a, in a sling in your book. Uh, and and I know that you, you know, tell us about that. Well, just that, that firstly, when I, of course, I said I was in love with John from the moment I saw him in, in the movie when I was a teenager and said to my sister, I'm going to marry him, you know, and then I found out he was married and had two kids and I cried for days and went on with my life. But I kept a picture of him over my bed for years. And so when he called me to, to photograph me with my clothes on, just my face, just to take 
pictures of me. Um, mm-hmm. I was fascinating to meet him because I thought, how wonderful. This is the guy I was in love with for so many years. And mm-hmm. he was married, so I thought nothing about it, and he took pictures. He was married to Ursula at the time. He had left his first wife, was with Ursula Andres. Then the second time he invited me to see him, he, Ursula had left him for Jean-Paul Belmondo while doing a movie in, in France, and our courtship began. So everyone said to me that Ursula was going to come back to get him, and that didn't exactly sit well with me because I thought, oh, my God, what if she did come back one day? And he said, oh, well, I've been waiting for her to come back. So when she did come back a few years later and say she wanted to come, I was quick to answer the front door to, you know, see what she had in mind, you know. Mm -hmm. And I opened the door and took one look at her. She said, is John home? And this big tear came out of her eye, and I just looked at her, and I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? I like her. I like this woman. I'm looking at her. I want to hate her. I want to get away from me. Don't come in here. And I let her in the door, and came my friend. Now, fortunately for me, she wasn't after John. She was there, uh, and Jean-Paul Belmondo came over later that night. But we became friends. And uh, she's one of my dearest friends, and to this day, I adore Ursula. Well, okay, so now uh, everybody has to think about John Derrick as being, you know, some, what, uh, I'm looking for him, one good-looking guy, I guess. He has Linda Evans, he has Bo Derrick, he has Ursula Andress, and, you know, these are all ex-wives. But you are very much friends with all of them. Tell us about your relationship with Bo Derrick. Okay, well, it was, as I said, devastating when they ran off together. And I was hurt, and I was angry. Any, uh, you know, anything you can think of that you could feel, I was feeling. But in time, in, in time, when, again, I chose my life, and I started working, I started meeting people, I started having a life, I, I had liked Bo the month that I had worked with her to get ready for the movie. John, you know, she had never worked, and John asked me if I would teach her to act. But not only that, she was young, and she was naive, and she didn't know how to dress, how, you know, how to be in show business. So it was, we spent some beautiful months together uh, when I was coaching her to help her to do this opportunity that I thought was really going to be great for her. And so when I had my own life and I could see, when I put my mind to myself, I could look back at the two of them and go, you know what? She did not seduce him. She was a child. He obviously wanted to be with her. It was his choice. And, you know, I don't marry people. Then when they do something I don't like, just throw them out because I don't like it. I can't stop loving you once I've loved you. It's, I mean, if I love you, I love you. It's unconditional. The thing is, no, I couldn't be married to him anymore. No, I didn't trust him anymore, should not. That was clear. But he still was the man who was my, my first husband. He was shared the nine years, the most intimate moments with me. I cannot forget that. I cannot let love go that is valid and real. So 
I continued to love him from a different perspective. He became my friend. And because I liked her very much and cared for her, it was not a problem once I had my own life and I could see I didn't need him in my life for anything, that I could say, hey, Bo, you know, I understand why you loved him. I was in love with him. That takes a lot of character, a lot of inner strength. Uh, you maintain that relationship, and I believe one of uh, um, will you have a close relationship with John Derrick's daughter? Is that true? Yes, John. I was walking this morning with John Derrick's daughter. I have such a wonderful. She is my wonderful experience of a child because uh, uh, I became her little stepmommy. And uh, we're so close that she has, I'm living up in Washington State on 70 acres, and she's got a summer house on the corner. She comes up every summer to be here, and we hang out together every summer, every day. We go walking. I, I, again, I think that's uh, that part of the story itself, and we'll come back to that, uh, is an incredibly important part of who Linda Evans is and an important part of of the teaching, the message that everyone can take out of your life experience. But moving along here for a quick minute, uh, you've also had a politically active role. And this is a story that I love because I, I admit I tend to be more Republican than Democrat. But you're a Democrat and you served under two Republican presidents. And then you were fired by a new president who I happen to vote for who just happened to be also a Democrat, and who fired you because you worked for a Republican. You were a Republican. Share that story with us, will you? Well, it was beautiful. After Dynasty, um, I was asked, uh, they found out that I was environmentally involved because of some activity I was doing in Washington State against sludge and marching and doing, and they asked, uh, Reagan asked me if I would... um, uh, do a program called Take Pride in America. And it was beautiful. It was about volunteers all taking pride and cleaning up the rivers and the national parks and things. And there would be some who did extraordinary work that would be chosen and they would come and we would all meet once a year at the White House and we would honor them for it. And, and really, there was just so much work done for, you know, our country by volunteers, and it grew and grew and grew and grew. And then Bill Clinton got in and with Al Gore, and it was like, great, I voted for him. I thought, mm-hmm. that, you know, this, this president will get behind this program, and it'll be excellent. And I went in to see them, and uh, they said, uh, no, um, it's a Republican program. And I said, well, that's not true, I'm a Democrat, and I did it because it's not a Republican program. It's a program for the earth and for the <laughs> United States and for helping us, and I don't see it that way because I'm a Democrat, and I did it. And they said, All right. Only- I'm going to have to – we'll get the tail end of this one after. We've got a hard break coming up. Okay. I love this story. but right. The book is Recipes for Life by Linda Evans. It's a great read. We're just touching on some highlights. It is a great deal of in-depth. I, I really recommend this book. Her website is lindaevansofficial.com. If you're not already in our chat room, get there quick. We have a video of our guest to share with you during the break. 
Just go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. We'll be right back after these words from our friends. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's InnerTalk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High Is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we're speaking with the one and only Linda Evans about her delightful book, Recipes for Life. But before we get back to today's show, I do want to remind you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan, you'll always know where we are and what's on next, and we have some extras for you as well. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. All right, let's get back to today's show. Before the break, uh, we were just learning that our favorite Democrat of the day, Linda Evans, was fired by the Democratic president. Bill Clinton for a Republican program. And you were telling us it's not Republican. It was American. It was take pride in America. How did that make you feel, Linda? Well, sad. It made me feel sad for the country because they lost something that was gaining momentum, helping, costing nothing, the government nothing. And it was stopped because it was Democratic. And the sad thing was Al Gore you know, was vice president. So, but, you know, I also have to say everything has its time, and they said they were going to start their own program. I never really saw anything quite like it, I'm sad to say. No, and I think it was a great program. I remember it. But, all right. Uh, I know um, of your relationship with Jay-Z Knight, and, indeed, Mm -hmm. we've had Jay-Z on the radio show a couple of times, a couple of hours worth. Uh, and she channels Ramtha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I enjoyed some of Yanni's wonderful music at the ranch the first time I spoke there. And with that, I guess I, I'm going to have to make this a two-part question. 
Please share with us your spiritual side, that is, your involvement, your friendship with Jay-Z and Ramtha. And, of course, you're going to have to tell us about your marriage to Yanni. Oh, dear. Okay. Just a few things. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Jay-Z Knight. I actually met Ramtha first <laughs> and was very taken by his message that God is within all of us. Um, and that we do create reality. I, I, I was very uh, moved by the truth of that. I met her afterwards and just completely fell in love with her the moment I saw her in her body. Um, mm-hmm. And we've become very, 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 very dear friends. I mean, I just adore that woman. Um, yeah, and, and anybody, I mean, for for our audience, anyone... Ramtha is a very powerful being. Uh, sometimes what many would describe as overpowering, and yet Jay-Z, as Jay-Z is this small, fragile, pretty little lady. I mean, so, and that's what you're saying, that kind of contrast, isn't it? Well, well, she is who she is. I mean, it's very unique to be able to meet someone have one body and have two total different beings come out. I find him powerful, and right. I find her powerful, but in a feminine way. It, they're just, it's very hard to explain. They're both That's a good way to put it. Very unique, very unique. And uh, plus, I love um, how giving she is and the work that she does around the world to give to people uh, personally uh, as well. Um, and, of course, going to the school and, and being in it was, was a great life changer for me. It helped me to find myself. It helped me to define myself without my celebrity, w- apart from all of that world that I'd been in all my life. Right. Okay. Uh, so now then I listened to this Yanni music that was just incredible. I think it was uh, from the uh, Acropolis. Uh, right. Yeah. Yanni at the Acropolis. Uh, and, and it just happened to be that that's what was playing at Jay-Z Knight's uh, ranch uh, when I was there to speak. And I was unaware of your connection with Yanni at the time, but learned about it after I bought all his music. So right. tell us about that. Well... I fell in love with his music before I fell in love with him. I had no sense of who he was. Um, his album at the time had a little tiny figure, which I couldn't even see. I, as a matter of fact, I thought Yanni was Japanese. I didn't know what Yanni was. And uh, Jay-Z had mentioned to me about calling him and inviting him to come up and meet all of us in Washington State that were crazy about his music. And... Um, I called him, and he was doing an album at the time, and they said he would call me back, and he called me back, and we had this incredible conversation. And um, uh, he had said, you know, are you ever down in L.A.? And I said, sure, I have a house down there. And he said, well, when you're down there, call me sometime, and we can meet and say hi. And I thought nothing about it. And one day I was down in L.A., and I'd called, and I thought so little about it that I'd planned to see him about a half an hour before I was catching a plane to come back up to Washington. And uh, my assistant said, hey, you know, that, I think that guy's here at the gate you wanted to say hi to. And I said, oh, I'll get the door. And I went over to the door and opened the door, took one look at him, 
fell so in love with him, I thought I was going mm-hmm. to faint. I, I just took one. I wanted to slap him and say, where have you been all my life? You're <laughs> the one I've been waiting for. I couldn't speak. I was so stunned by what I saw in front of me, and we somehow got into my living room and talked. And uh, my assistant said, okay, we've got to go catch the plane to go back. And I got on the plane, and I was going home, and I looked at her, and I said, I think I'm in love. I don't even know who he is. He's younger than me. He's in the music business. This can't be possible. And, yeah, I was in love for nine years. We never got married, but you couldn't be any closer than we were. And, and I think that's a marvelous story. Marvelous story. I love it first sight. Oh, when beyond. I read your bio, pardon? Beyond love. I, I've never, I've never felt anything like that in my body in my life. Such a recognition of someone that it's like I've been waiting for all my life. I don't even know how that happens, but. Really, but you, uh, I, and, and, but I'm sure you have uh, uh, a perspective, a. Uh, I, I, I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, you, you would, uh, coming from Ramtha School, expect that maybe the two of you knew each other in some other lifetime, huh? Well, even more interesting, months, months before, uh, Ramtha said that he was going to send someone to me that would show me how to love, but I didn't really understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting it because I didn't get it. Um, and after it happened, I went, okay, this is pretty strong. How the, how the world works. So Jay-Z strong. asked you to get him and romp the sending to you. And uh, what a wonderful story. When I read your biography, and, and I think, for the record, that all biographies should be modeled after yours. It's special. It's it's fresh and fun. And, and you know, and it's so honest. Uh, but moving on, I was struck by what seemed to be a very vulnerable and even fragile young woman who met a man, a man who gave her the attention and made her feel everything she ever wanted to feel who filled a void in her life, and this man became your second husband. We kind of missed him when we went from John Derrick to to Yanni. Were you especially vulnerable at that time, or do I have that wrong? I mean, share that part of your life with us, please. Well, of course, having come off of of being replaced by a 15-year-old, you think that you've got something, you know, at that point that, you know, you're not enough because, you know, you could be replaced by a 15-year-old. And um, I was not feeling exceptionally secure in that part of my life, nor was I even looking for someone. People wanted me to be with someone. They wanted me to be happy again. And I was more focused on my career and having you know, my life um, back, the joy in my life back after John. So, of course, when you're not looking, that's when somebody comes into your life. But he was the one that everyone told me uh, they wanted to fix me up with. But when they said the word playboy, I said, I don't think so. That's just exactly what I'm trying to avoid. I want someone who will be my husband, the father of my children. I want someone else and by life, uh, they uh, had arranged for me to be at dinner 
a large dinner party, sitting next to someone who I found very charming. And after about two hours of conversation, I said, oh, by the way, what was your name? And it was the playboy they'd been wanting to fix me up with, who by that point I was so charmed by. I thought, wow, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And I did date him, and I said, you know, you're not really someone I think I should be serious with. And he said, why? He said, I've only been a playboy because I've waited all my life for someone like you. Well, nice words. <laughs> I mean, it just sounded so beautiful, and it, and it could have been true, and I, of course, wanted it to be true, and um, married him because he sincerely seemed to be uh, this person who wanted this more than anything, and, of course, after we were married for a few years, I found out that he was still a playboy. But you know something? I don't regret it for one moment because in life you just have to do the things you're compelled to do and learn from them. Uh, it ended, but I at least knew that I had the sense to know that he was a playboy. I didn't listen to that part of myself. That was my wisdom. Is And... Also, if I hadn't been with Stan, there are so many things in life I wouldn't have learned, I wouldn't have experienced, and they were all a beautiful part of who I am today, so I don't regret one moment of it. I just then had to get on with my life, and again, I was almost 40, saying, okay, what in the heck happened here? How did I get here? And I stopped everything in my life, and I said, I want a divorce. I don't want to do it. I want to just sit for months. I don't want to do anything but go, who am I that's been married twice? It isn't working. I'm almost 40. I never wanted a career. I don't want to rely on him and his money. I want to make my own money. And I had to completely change my life and how I thought because I knew how I was thinking wasn't letting my life unfold the way I wanted it. You know, part of the amazing, uh, I think, to most people, uh, aspect to your story is that if you you look at Linda Evans, you look. At, I'm looking at the cover of your book right now. It's a very beautiful, powerful woman on the front of the cover, and you know, as a role model for women, what we're hearing in your story is all that power is just as vulnerable and just as human as every other person on this planet full of the courage to deal with issues such as what you're explaining and describing to us today and to deal with them honestly without the anger, the animus, or the pain. And, 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 and I do believe that that's part of what makes your book maybe one of the better, uh, if, if not the best, self-help books I've read in a long time, despite the fact that it's, it's really just a book of your memories. Incredible life. All right. Obviously, I'm a fan, so we'll leave it at that. And we'll You're go very, on. Very, very sweet. But to add to that just for a second, one of the things that I would like to say that I do is I don't blame anybody for my life. I take responsibility for my life. And then I look to see where I then have the power to change the things that I don't like. I don't blame anyone. I know, I love that, and I've been teaching that all my life. Well, not all my life, but since I learned it maybe 25 years ago. <laughs> well, John for Forsyth. Good for you, Thank you learned it. John Forsyth figures large in your life. Tell us about your relationship with him. 
well, firstly, since I was 15 and he gave me my first speaking part, um, I hadn't seen him until he walked on the set of Dynasty because originally we had George Papard doing Blake Carrington in the pilot. And then when George decided not to do it, they replaced him with John, and he walked on the set, and he said, my little Linda Evanstead, how you've grown, and how is your mother Arlene? I mean, he remembered my mother's name. He remembered that moment so many years ago, and I thought, oh, my God, John, it's going to be so easy to love you in the show. And he just became my champion, my best friend. I mean, until he passed, John was just one of the joys of my life. What a beautiful... Every every woman should be lucky enough to act with someone like John Forsythe. What an extraordinary, extraordinary man. And, you know, in the beginning of Dynasty, I was so afraid to get up in public. It's interesting. I, over, I had to overcome my fear of acting in order to work, in order to help out at home, and then... It came, became that I would be so well, I mean, successful at doing it that there was nothing I could go to school to do and the husbands didn't work out. But I still had this fear of public speaking. Getting up in front of people and speaking scared me so much. And John was such a champion to me. He would hold my hand and he would say, well, you can do this, because as the show went on, I started winning all these awards and they need you to get up and accept them. Well, I would get sick, I would throw up, I would hide under the covers. My friend Bunky, who was my um, uh, assistant at the time, would drag me out and say, go there and get that award, and John would say, I'll hold your hand. And he was just the biggest champion of, of me in so many ways in the beginning while I was learning to become this person everybody saw, you know, me become. But I certainly didn't start out that way. I was really scared. The celebrity on the screen. All right. Now, throughout your book, there are some great stories, like your time with the leopard, Sheba, in the Circus for the Stars, or your chapter on George Burns and other sex symbols. Everyone must enjoy your book because it's so full of life itself. So say, you know, nothing. I mean, to say nothing about all of the special insights that some of the... uh, of some of Hollywood's famous. I guess I'm, I'm looking for a way to say that. But perhaps one of the wonderful things that I enjoyed about your book is all the recipes. My favorite, by the way, is Jay-Z's lemon meringue pie. So tell us. <laughs> no, it is. God, so good. tell us about that. Why recipes? And where did, where did that whole idea come from? Okay, well, firstly, it... it and this confuses people to some degree. It's not a, just a recipe book. As you say, it's a memory book. It's, I've got all the memories in there. But I couldn't do my life without including food because I have such a passion for cooking and a love of food. I mean, I adore feeding people. It's one of the great joys of life to, to make something that somebody loves and to watch them take the first bite is just like heaven on earth to me. Mm-hmm. So I've made it. Um, I made it a passion of mine to find the best recipes so that I can get the biggest smiles <laughs> and make people really happy. That's just one of my joys. So I've collected all these recipes and personally made them and gotten them from friends or 
chefs that I've met, uh, and I wanted to share with people because I, I know myself that it takes my whole life to find these little treasures that are surefire when you make them. Somebody's going to go, oh, my God, this is fabulous. And I mm-hmm. wanted to include those in on there. That's great. And, 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 and they are wonderful recipes. I, I'm still trying. I mean, we're still trying some of them. One more question, Linda, before we get to the big one. Many That's people today. Wait, wait. Yeah, got the big one. Yeah. <laughs> Many people today are busy covering up their age. Facelifts, Botox, hair dyes, etc., all in an attempt to deny um, who they are, I, I guess. I mean, I, I, you believe aging is beautiful. Tell us about your thoughts on aging or growing older gracefully, if you will, please. Okay, well, we could have just started and had this whole show about this because there's so much to say, my right. God. Firstly, I never have lied about my age, and much to my agent's horror, I've always said how old I was, because I figured, why would I be ashamed of who I am and what I am? However, I do understand, I, I completely understand the, the woman's role in the world, and I understand that there's such an emphasis on youth, and so that's the conflict that we have, where we want to be who we are, but there's a society that says everything is for the young. And so there are many areas about this that I can address, and I'm, my brain just goes in a million, a million directions. Um, I love what I've learned through life, the lessons, and I love that I now know that the worst things that happened to me give me the greatest understanding, which is my which is the greatest part of me, is what I have learned. It's the part of me that's giving me peace. It's giving me more joy than I ever had when I was young. And, you know, what society says is perfect to be today. Um, I understand the struggle we have, and I understand it's wonderful that we have medical science and, and that we can fix a little this and do a little that, but still be proud of who we are and what we look like and, and that we're getting older no matter what. You, I wouldn't go back to being 20, 30, 40, even 50 and give up a moment to look younger if I had to give up my wisdom. So there's an exchange that happens, and there's something about to happens to women after menopause that you give yourself. There's a grace that happens, an allowing and a, and a growing into ourselves and our own in a way that we, I never was myself, and I have quite a few girlfriends who are finding it the same way. There's something beautiful if we embrace it as an opportunity rather than a problem again, that this is something beautiful for us to experience. And I'm 69. I know I'm going to have 20, 30 more years of life. Therefore, I'm planning my life. I'm planning things that I'm going to do. I know that Women who become mothers and become grandmothers still have a whole lifetime left for them to express themselves in freer ways than they ever could when they were younger. So I look at this as a great time for us, all of us baby boomer, war baby women. You know, we're going to maybe have to bring you back just to talk about that subject because I know that you uh, you lead uh, courses, teach courses on that. Uh, Don't teach. I uh, talk to women and I, you know, 
get up and talk and we share and they ask questions and we talk back and forth together. Well, okay. Your presentation's <laughs> aging gracefully, living your best life and life lessons. And I believe the other one is women overcoming the power of choice and personal command. Uh, and, and they, for our listening audience, they can be find at your website. Now, I don't want to hurry you along, but we've got about two minutes. You, you state throughout your book that, well, let's just go. The big question in, in, <laughs> in your last chapter, my just desserts, you open with a quote by Zig Ziglar. And I quote, what you get by reaching your destination is not nearly as important as uh, who you become. We set this entire show up to come to this. You have dined with the queens and presidents, been romanced by the rich and famous, and today what you treasure most is the wisdom you have gained along the way. What is that wisdom in one minute? In one minute? Okay, with one minute to go, I will... How unfair, huh? I finally learned how to love myself, and therefore I don't need anyone to love me, but my God, I'm much better at loving and I'm much better at receiving love. Boy, now how wonderfully well said that is. All right, Linda, tell everybody how they can learn more about you, how they can get your book, please. My goodness, oh, I, don't, I hardly ever do this. Um, I don't know, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think about that. I guess, All right, well. Uh, Linda, is, Linda Evans Official, um, dot com. I suppose they'll have a link. I don't, isn't that funny? You it's, do. Your website, LindaEvansOfficial.com. Sure I have no sense. <laughs> well, in other words, you didn't come here to sell. So I, I, I will do that for you. Okay, The book you. is Recipes for Life by Linda Evans. Uh, her website is LindaEvansOfficial, all is one word, dot com. Uh, this is a great read. Do get the book. Linda, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. I hope you've had some fun. We'll have to bring you back and talk about, you know, these other issues at another time. Okay. <laughs> all right. We've come thank to the end of another much. hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank you all for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And if you have comments on our show, do let us all know. Until next time then, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.